press start. Cartridge blowers out there, this is N64 Life with myself, Cliff Foster, aka the amazing Cliff, on the old Twitter, your guide through the world's greatest computer game console of all time, the Nintendo 64. Hello, you, how's it going? Oh, you shouldn't be doing that while listening to a podcast. But welcome aboard, one and all, to another battle for Jinjos. And this time around, it's not just a normal battle for Jinjos. No, it's a triple threat. But before we go into that, a couple of the normal check-ins. One, it's a triple threat, and it's been triple delayed. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh dear. But do you know what? As I always say, thank you very much for all your support. You know, it's 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 not been... It, uh, no, the last couple of weeks, it's been a mixture of everything. Because if you didn't know, in the UK, it was the summer holidays. So that meant that I spent a lot of time with my son, which was beautiful. And then, obviously, I've had some family-related uh, issues over the last couple of weeks. So I, I do really, really appreciate all the support that I've had. And do you know what? No better can you see that support than on the Twitch channel. If you aren't already following the Twitch channel, please go and make sure you do. Uh, just a lovely little follow and an occasional check-in will be, it means a lot. It means so, so much. And you can find that on Twitch, N64 Life Podcast. And if you do get involved with that chat, you can claim chat points. And through those chat points, you can claim yourself a shout out. And we've got some people for a shout out. So first of all, Sean. Sean. Hello, Sean. Sean. No dad jokes. No. No. Keep it in the pit. Um, We've got Neil. uh, Always a massive support to this streams and podcasts. So thank you very much, Neil. Fellow N64 collector. We've got the amazing Matty Boo. Oh, that's a man you need to go and follow on Twitch if you aren't already. Matty Boo twitches on a Sunday just before I stream, starting about 6.30. He does do Matty Vision, and I mean, I'm not even over-exaggerating this. Matty Vision is one of my favourite things to do every week. You need to go and follow Matty Boo Twitches or Matty Boo Tweets on the old Twitter. He is an absolute ratty legend, and I do like it that we both bring some smiles to your good old faces every Sunday. Uh, we've got Morpha, our friend of the podcast, and his lovely better half. Yes, this 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 stream may well break now. It's Pocket Ninja. It's alright. I bought it back. It's fine. Hang on. Hang on. Right. I thought, yeah. Yeah, it's all stable again. Uh, we won't say her name again. Uh, we've got Misha. Also on a previous uh, podcast in the past, he's on board. We got now and then sixty-four. Martin, that's another stream. Look, you go, go and follow all the streams. Go and follow Morpha. Go and follow Pick, uh, Pocket Ninja. Go and follow now and then sixty-four. 
there from day dot. There from day dot. I think I created the Twitter page or the Twitch account. I can't remember which one it was. Martin was there messaging, and it's going to be so much fun because in a couple of weeks, actually, do you know what? I'll save that to the end of the podcast. Oh, oh, big things on the horizon. And we've got Sarah Pink Lithium. I hope you are well. You and Ava. I'll give Ava a cheeky shout out as well. But if you want to get your own shout out, come and join in the lovely community that we have at uh, N64 Live Podcast on the old Twitch. And as I may alluded to at the beginning, we have... A triple threat on our hands. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's another battle for Jinjos. And we're going to see these three games battle it off. Yoshi Story. Yes! Yoshi Story. And it will be battling off against... Mischief Makers. Oh, I've had some fun, actually. Last couple, about six weeks or so. I've been playing a lot of Mischief Makers. Really enjoying it. A game that I had previously not played. And because of a little stream we did, uh, and a vote on that stream, I then got playing another game. And uh, I haven't bought this for the collection yet, but I will. But I've been playing it off of the old EverDrive. Um, And I tell you what, it's a game that I was like, right, I'm shoehorning this into this episode because it's another side-scroller. And it's this game. Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards. Oh, oh, it's a triple threat, triple delayed extravaganza. Sorry, Toby. I think I just stole your gimmick. But hey-ho, we're all under the same production company. <laughs> I'm going to steal your gimmick. I own you, son. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> WRW Pod will be coming back soon, I promise. Anyway, oh, this feels so good to say. It's, oh, oh, I'm so looking forward to saying this. Yoshi Story. Mischief Makers. Kirby 64 Crystal Shards. Let's do this. So, here we go. Another battle for Jinjos. And if you don't know the rules already, don't you panic. I'm here to explain them. Or, you know, it's been a while. If you've forgotten those rules, I'm here to explain them to you. So, like in Banjo-Kazooie, there's five Jinjos to collect for these three games. One is on storyline, 
The next is on gameplay. After that, we visit sound and graphics. Then we come on to what the critics force of these games. We look at the IGN score. We look at how many numbers these, you, uh, these games shifted. And then lastly, the most important, and it feels like a bloody lifetime ago, I put this up on Twitter. We look at what you guys thought of the games. Yes, because if you aren't already, go and follow uh, N64 Life on Twitter, N64 Life Podcast, and about a week, or this time five, um, before the podcast comes out, I put up a little vote, and you guys can vote for whatever, whatever game best suits your fancy, and you can comment as well, and I read out those comments on the uh, this podcast. Read out every single one, because I'm a nice chap like that. So... Let's come on to the first game. Yoshi Story for Storyline. Story, stories, too many stories. Released in Japan on December 21st, 1997. In Europe on March 1st, 1998. And in North America on March 10th, 1998. Yes, the power release got released before the North American one. That's a rarity. Let's celebrate that fact. So published and developed by Nintendo and how was created by Takahashi... Um, uh, Tezuka, um, who was uh, the uh, producer of the game and then directed by Hiduki uh, Kono, uh, who both of them are very, you know, they've got a massive history uh, inside of Nintendo producing games like uh, they, they, they've had a hand in so many. I mean, absolutely. The list is endless on what they did produce and direct. I mean, the list is never ending. So this game was originally put into good hands and it was actually going to be uh, originally Yoshi Island 64 because if you didn't know already, which I'm sure you do, I'm not going to teach you how to suck eggs, but you know, there, there was a big release for the SNES and that was obviously Mario World and then you have Mario World 2, Yoshi Island and this was seen as Yoshi's sort of first adventure by himself. You know, there's no baby to look after this time. There's no fat plumber to carry around on your backs. This was very much Yossi's first attempt to go off into the world by himself. Um, And to be honest, it shifted away from that name when you you can see it in the gameplay. It's not the same as Mario World. It's not the same as Mario World 2 Yoshi Island. It very much went away from that gameplay and went to more of a puzzle solving game even though it is a stand it's, it's a very traditional not standard traditional side scrolling platformer there are lovely little puzzle elements to these this game and and it does have that very much classic snares feel you know because at this time you know in 1998 it was very much the birth of 3d platformers we've already we've already uh, gone through quite a few of them already um that were appearing at times of all of these games you know in 1998 we saw you know other games like f1 gym come out you know it, it's or a year later in 99 um so this was very much the birth of those 3d platformers and it was it's lovely i mean all three of these games before we go any further they're all 2g side scrolling with a hint of 3d we'll go into the differences in sound and graphics but the the great thing is with this game is it has this beautiful sexy patchwork world that you go around to discover and that's very much based off of that sort of 2d rendered 
Um, yeah, we'll go into obviously the the obvious elephant in the room with Donkey Kong Country. You know, having very, the influence over these three games. Um, but it's an original title for guess what? So, you know, steal Ash versus stuff. I can't steal Ash versus stuff really because guess what? We're not under the same production company. But guess what? It was going to be a 64DD release. Yes, that lovely thing called the 64DD. Um, but it then obviously moved across to the cart when uh, the 64DD did not do as well as Nintendo hoped. Who would have funked it, hey? A add-on for a Nintendo console that didn't do so well. <laughs> uh, first time uh, we would hear Yoshi's voice. Um, this is... This is a big thing because beforehand Yoshi sounded like this. So that is that that sound effect that doo -doo -doo, I can't I can't do it. I don't think anybody can. You know, before this in you know in games, that's how Yoshi sounded. It was just a sound effect. This actually gave Yoshi a bit of a voice, and it's an iconic voice because there's so many Smash Brothers fans out there, and we're gonna visit that quite a bit in this randomly. Um, but let's go into the storyline itself. You know, less, less away from the production of the game. Let's have a bit of story time, shall we? Here we go. The Yoshis all live happily on Yoshi's Island. They are able to keep their place through the power of the super happy tree. Baby Bowser, jealous of the Yoshi's happiness, turns to Yoshi's, turns to Yoshi's Island into a storybook and steals the super happy tree. Six different colored Yoshis must go and retrieve the super happy tree and defeat Baby Bowser. Do you know what? Such a lovely, simple story. Um, and we'll, we'll go into this in gameplay in a minute, but that, that's the great thing about Yoshi's story is it attracts so many people across because it, it's a lot of people's first game on this console because of their age and that that's the major thing is it it reads like a story book and it's great because it gives such a lovely little ending where it gives a poem not only that it gives you four different poems depending how you completed it so here we go come on story time with cliff come on everyone gather around gather around not you sure go away sure no no dad jokes go away um all is well that ends well the Yoshis had broken Bowser's spell. The super happy tree was back. They jumped for joy with their fruity snack. And the Yoshis lived happily ever after. Next one. Next one. <laughs> so I destroyed my story time voice there for any CBB fans out there, didn't I? So I apologise. And the day was won, and Bowser fell. The super happy tree was well. Yoshis were happy as can be. The heroes danced before the tree, and the Yoshis lived happily ever after. Now that the tree was safe and sound, the storybook, the storybook was no longer bound. Yoshi's Island returned once more and became the happiest shore. The Yoshis lived 
happily ever after. Right, last one. Last one. Oh, can't do this storytelling voice much more. And in the end, it came to pass. The super happy tree was found at last. The Yoshis had broken Bowser's spell. A tale for all the Isle to tell. And the Yoshis lived happily ever after. And the page turned and the cartridge blowers grew happier. <laughs> oh, CBB's world there. I'll tell you what, though. I, I, it is really, 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 really simple storyline. You know, Yoshi's story follows, you know, this time around, it's the super happy tree. Uh, there's no there's no getting baby back or uh, princess back or anything like that, like we do see in other back games. And we'll go into and gameplay how it does actually make it slightly more unique compared to a uh, normal side-scrolling game. Um, it does add a bit of originality into the gameplay. Um, but I, I just like it. It's just a simple, simple, simple story. So let's go on to the next story, which is Mischief Makers. So, Mischief Makers, released June 27th, 1997 in Japan, North America on October 1st, 1997, and in Europe on December 1st, 1997, published by Nintendo and developed by Treasure. Only a 12-person team developed this. And Treasure is one of those developers that people remember really, really fondly. Unfortunately, not with us anymore. Um, but they were created by former Konami um, uh, employees. Um, and they wanted to explore new IPs rather than just producing sequels after sequels after sequels um, back in 1997. And this game is... We'll go into it in gameplay, but it's very much an evolution of their big i would say their biggest hit uh which was gunstar heroes in 1993 for the mega drive or genesis depending where you are in the world um they would later go on to make uh for the n64 a game that i have not played yet because it's a game i've been waiting 20 odd years to play and i'm determined to do it for the first time on a stream and that is sin and punishment um, it was the first side-scrolling 2D platformer for the N64. So it got in there before any of these other three. Um, by a fair while with Kirby, but we'll go into that in a minute. Um, and it was developed, uh, development of this started way back in 1995. So when um, Silicon Graphics allowed Nintendo to use, or sorry, the agreement was made between the two, Treasure were one of these developers under that Nintendo banner that were given the rights to use this in the background before the launch of the console. And it was shown um, at E3 in 1997. And it had some... It had mixed reviews at the time, which will go on to what people think and thought of the game back then. It, it can be one of those things that this game has aged incredibly well. So let's go on to the storyline of Mischief Makers. So here we go. The storyline for Mischief Makers 
It follows the story of Professor Theo, a space-traveling mad scientist, and Marina Lightyears, his robot creation and assistant, marooned on a strange planet of Clanker. Soon, the planet comes under attack by the Emperor, aka the Monolith, uh, and his empire. Agents from the agents from the Empire kidnap the Professor. From unknown, for unknown reasons. And it's up to Marina to rescue him multiple times. Lots of times. At times uh, helped and at times hindered by the bizarre clankers. And threatened along the way by the Empire's goons. Including an evil counterpart. Uh, her, an evil counterpart called Kalina. And the team of animal-like super soldiers called the Beast Ector. There we go. Do you know what? The great thing with this is that Treasure went out to create a very different IP. And they did. And one of the great things with this is that the protagonist is female. Um, which is great. You know, especially... You know, at the time, really only... There was only a handful of games that had done it. You know, you it was the birth of Tomb Raider at the time. You know, you had had uh, Samus before um, with um, Metroid. But, you know, it's great to see an N64 game have a female protagonist. Because, yeah, it, it's a very different time now compared to what it was. But it was very much that these computer games were there as boys' toys. And... They weren't, because there's so many people that we know, we know as well as anybody, it's a form of entertainment. It doesn't come down to your sex of if you're going to enjoy that form of entertainment, but it was very much that transitional period where we were coming out that basis of they were just for boys. Games were just for boys. And you see that with Games Master, you see that with lots and lots of things of time that, you know, hopefully it was it was starting, not at, at times it wasn't, um, but it, to an extent it was, uh, that it was very much, you know, for everyone, gaming. And uh, yeah, no, it, to be honest, honest can be, they, they achieved what they went out to do, they, they created a completely new IP. Yoshi, as uh, somebody, uh, I think DG as just said in our Discord channel, you stick Yoshi on something, you will sell. So it's it's a known it's a known brand out there. It's a known um it's a known it's a known IP. Uh, Kirby the same. It's a known IP. You know it's gonna sell. You know Kirby had a lot of love on the SNES, on the Game Boy, on the NES. So it's it's one of those IPs that will sell. Um, but Mischief Makers is a completely fresh. IP. And on that note, let's go on to Kirby 60 for the Crystal Shards. Now, development. <laughs> it was eventually released in Japan on March 24th, 2000. It was eventually released in North America on June 26th, 2000. And it was eventually released in July 6th. 2000 or uh some places are saying june uh 2001 i can't find which one's correct so i'm going by the n64 uh nintendo 64 anthology uh with this because wikipedia said it was 2001 and i'm like 
uh, and I found so many conflicting things and I can't remember from the time. So if anybody has got any Nintendo N64 magazines or official Nintendo magazines to tell me which one it is, that'd be really appreciated. Published by Nintendo, developed by How Labor- Laboratory. There we go, get that word out in the end. Uh, start of development, or started all the way back in September of 1997. And guess what, guys? Yes! Sorry, Ash. Yes, it was meant to be released for the 64DD. Obviously, if you haven't seen already, there's a lot of uh, early, early videos of launch titles that were meant to be coming out for the N64, and one of them was Kirby Ball 64. So this game started off very differently, very differently, almost a downhill racer and a 3D What I mean... I've seen videos of Kirby uh, Ball 64, but I, I can't seem to get my head around the concept of the game. But it looks it looks like a downhill racer to me. But anyway, uh, Kirby created by uh, Masahiro Sukurai, um, it, who also created the um, Smash Brothers series. Um, so he created, he, he was the mastermind behind this game, or definitely the latter iteration of it um well the the character himself is named after a mr john kirby now if you didn't know who john kirby was john was a lawyer from the united states and he helped defend in 1984 um nintendo against universal studios for the rights to use the name Donkey Kong in their games because Universal Studios at the time were turning around saying actually this is not your IP this is a copy of King Kong and he success he was successful in his battle because at the time Nintendo were not the juggernaut that they were and if they had lost this battle I think that you would easily say that Nintendo would not have boomed as much as they would, or they wouldn't have boomed as quickly as they did. So they actually named this lovely little pink ball after this lawyer from the United States, which is lovely. But unfortunately, John recently did pass away, um, which, yeah, it's a bit, bit sad. But as I said, this game went through some development hell. So the development for this game started all the way back in September of 1997, um, shortly after, uh, or shortly before, uh, Kirby Dreamland 3 was released. At the uh, time, 3D graphics were becoming more and more common, and Hal uh, wanted to create a 3D Kirby game. Um, according to the product man- manager, uh, Takashi uh, Saito, uh, keeping the project on schedule was a challenge due to Howe's close attention to detail. So he had to balance creating a quality game with release in it, releasing it on time. The development team had to be careful transitioning the series of art style to 3D. And they didn't want to disappoint Kirby devotees. And it was originally developed for the guess what? It's a 64 DD. Um... And uh, But obviously, we all know that it was a massive commercial flop. So, by October 1997, Hal had created a prototype of an experimental uh, game with Kirby in, in a 3D world. The studio worked this prototype, 
which used the N64's analog stick to control Kirby until about a year after release. And they were developing this game with Kirby being in this 3D world and using the analog stick to navigate around. Um, until about a year after the release of the N64. It was nearly finished, but the team felt that they could do better. How change the controller configuration from the analog stick to the D-pad? Because the game played on a 2.5D, that term again, uh, plane rather than a 3D one. At Space World 1999, the developers observed children play playing with the original setup. They noticed the children would leave the N64 controller on the promotional stand when using the analog stick and problems using the Z shoulder button and was which was essential to the configuration. Coming up with the new controller scheme led to a debate since Hal used the Z prominently in Super, uh, in Super Smash Brothers. The team settled on the D-pad configuration. So basically, as I said, you know, this, this game went through all sorts of iterations. It was there very much, but vouched for at the beginning of the lifespan of the game, uh, of the console itself. But it took, in you know, the original release on the NTSC uh, until 2000s, the latter part of this console's lifespan. And I can't find an official release, as I've said before, but it goes without saying that it came out it almost the whole development of this game stretched from the beginning and the early inception of the N64 and the Ultra 64 all the way through to the release of the GameCube. That I think if you're looking at development cycles, and we will go into some very juicy topics on this podcast in the future, with things like Body Harvest and DMA Designs, uh, absolute development nightmare of that game uh, which was meant to be a launch title but then didn't come out until a couple of years after the console's launch to you know this game this game struggled but we're here for storyline that's that's a little bit of hell of what this console or this game went through but what was the storyline around kirby 64 and the crystal shards here we go, more story time with Cliff. In a distant corner of the galaxy, fairies live peacefully on a planet called Ripple Star. But one day, a mysterious black cloud appeared and surrounded the peaceful planet. The cloud, a sinister force known as Dark Matter, had come in search of fairies secret, the fairies' secret treasure, their shining crystal. A fairy named Ribbon, knew that dreadful things would come to pass if a dark matter if the dark matter gained control of the powerful crystal she grabbed the shining stone and escaped from ripple star just before the planet planet was completely engulfed but as ribbon fled three dark clouds split, split from the mass of dark matter and to chase her through space and when they caught up with her and attacked, the fairies crystal, crystal shattered into tiny shards, which dropped like falling stars across in the solar system. Still holding one of the shards, Ribbon fell onto a planet called Popstar, where 
perhaps by fate, she ran smack into Kirby. After hearing her desperate plight, Kirby's resolved resolved to help Ribbon to recover all the crystal shards. So it's it's really yeah to me this storyline has a lot of thought that's gone into it because we i won't go into how it ends because yet again like when we were talking about indiana jones a lot of people have said to me because i think where it was a latter game that came out that oh i really want to play this or when i've been streaming it oh this is a game that i really want to pick up and have a go so i won't give you the whole until the end storyline However, if we're looking at, let's say, let's break this down. Let's break this down. Because we've got three games here, all battling for this Jinjo for storyline. I would say that Yoshi's story sticks to a very fairly Nintendo copy and paste format of go to Bowser's castle and save something. This time not a princess, it might be a tree, but still you're going or any other poor poor Yoshis that died along the way. Um I think that yeah, I I think that's yeah, with storyline it's a hard one. So I think Yoshi's out of it because it's a very copy and paste. We've marina and her battling across this world and it, it, it is very cinematic it's, it's very original with the storyline i really like it and then with kirby i think it really thinks into the gravitas and shows you where you know gamecube games would go in the future very much based around the storyline that they presented because Rare had such success with the likes of Banjo-Kazooie, um, we've even to an extent DK64 and Conker's Bad Fur Day. So I think this is where platformers were going. They were going down that route of what adventure games had gone down for many times before, that you need a good constant storyline. Now, with Kirby, he's, an, he's not an original IP. You know, he has a fan base. So do you know what? For pure, pure originality in the way of the storyline about a ray of intru, intru, uh, uh, sorry, introducing a protagonist that no one knows about. Um, and it is still such a love game to this day on this console. I'm going to give storyline to Mischief Makers. <laughs> And th- th- that's not to say that either of the other two storylines aren't good. It is more, I think that y- I, I, we saw, I, I said about a comment that uh, I had on the Discord channel earlier um, that about that basis of that, um, you know, that Yoshi lives off his IP. I think Kirby, to an extent, lives off his IP, even though this was a game that came out towards the end of the console's lifespan. I think... But Treasure broke away from Konami to go and create original ID IPs and do it well. And I think they did with this uh, Mischief Makers. And I think it's a really good storyline. And it's a gripping storyline as well. So Mischief Makers, 1-0-0. Gotta get that in my head. Uh, <laughs> let's go on to gameplay.
So, let's go on to gameplay. Now, before I say anything else about the gameplay, let's say about the similarities. They are all 2D side-scrolling platformers, but do it in a very, very different way. Um, so, let's go on to Yoshi's Story. So, two different modes in Yoshi's Story. You've got the 24 courses over over six pages. Um so it's nice because every run you can make slightly different um and those two sort of modes are story mode you know story mode very much takes you down each page passing it completing one of the four stages on there and then you've got a trial mode in there as well um the courses um they get unlocked so basically you have to do the first one the first time around but then you unlock other courses and also you unlock different colors of uh of um yoshi as well so that's really nice and that element of it does bring you back comeback ability as i always say comeback ability that comeback ability of actually going ah i can better this this time i can better this this time and with that trial mode it really makes it so you you want to go and beat the clock you want to go and complete it in the quickest time you want to be able to get the most points now with this game it very much heavily is around the points basis even though you are going around and the mission is to collect 30 fruits from each level um, but each of those fruits gives you a certain amount of points so you get your lucky fruit um, which is decided at the beginning each of the different Yoshi colors has a, a favorite fruit so that means you'll get more colors for the favorite fruits um, as well as if you're getting the same type of fruit in a row, you'll get more colors as well. So you'll get more points as well. And I really like that aspect because you could, I think everyone's first ever run through of it. You just sort of run through and just go, right, I'm just collecting these fruits. I'm just, I just need to get 30 fruits to get through. Yet, actually, when you start to play it more and more and more and more, you start to think a bit more tactically of what fruits do I need? And yeah, again, you 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 almost end up wanting to better your score every single time, which I think is really really nice. Um, you've also got special hearts to collect on each course, so there's three hearts per course. Um, and do you know what I really really like about this game? It isn't so much about it, it didn't break boundaries with the actual gameplay itself. It more set in stone another game. So we we learn Yoshi's attacks. <laughs> and these attacks um, go from anything from the running to the ducking to the jumping to his ground pounding to his running hover to his hurling of eggs that you can collect throughout the game by either eating baddies, um, which you can't spit them back out like you did in SNES versions. Um, or at the same time you can get the egg boxes now what i really like about this is that that is his moveset for smash brothers still to this day that moveset that that yoshi's story decided on is something that is played by millions every day still now um from this little game and i think that i think that's that's the game's legacy not so much the game itself but 
what it actually gave Smash Brothers, it actually said, Smash Brothers didn't need to think of his moveset because Yoshi's story had already done it, which is quite cool, I personally think. Um, but the great thing about this game is, and we'll come on to, let's say, the other games in this, that it uses the analog stick. Now, if we're looking at, let's say, some of these, <laughs> some games we, we always critique on here, with the con controller, it wasn't built for the controller, it makes it the controller feel very meh. Um, but I, I personally think that this game, yet again, is come from Nintendo. As we've said with other games that come from Nintendo, it was built for this controller. And even though it's a side-scroller, I think, like the other two games when we come onto them in a minute, and the, the reason why sometimes that is a pain in the back using that D-pad on the original controller, I think that it's it's a nice touch to... You've just got yourself an N64. You don't want to be playing with that D-pad. You want to be using the stick that they were advertising at that time. You know, you don't want to be using the D-pad. That's boring. Um, so the gameplay is... You know, as we said before, this lovely, colourful, patchwork journey to go to Bowser's Castle. You've got sort of elements of that every single level is slightly different. If that's the running platformer, if that's you've got to control the platformers themselves with the dragons and the snakes in the sky to, you know, every, uh, underwater levels. Um, I think that it's really, really nice that every single page that you pass through is slightly different. And you've got slightly different challenges. Um, as well as the gameplay is that Yoshi's... You haven't got lives. You've got Yoshi's. <laughs> this is one of those parts of the game that I personally think <laughs> is a bit morbid. So if you lose a life, you lose a Yoshi. And the only way of getting that Yoshi back is by getting to the end and releasing him with the tree. But when your Yoshi dies, and that's either by losing your health, which is a, a flower in the top corner, um, or if you, you fall to your death, the shy guys come down almost like the uh, the monkey, the flying monkeys in um, uh, The Wizard of Oz. They fly down and take the Yoshi to the castle, which is, it's like, no, I've killed my Yoshi. I generally, every time I lose a life, there's part of me that goes, I've killed the Yoshi. I've actually, I've actually sort of murdered it by missing. And usually nine times out of 10, it's not by losing your health. It's by missing a platform by an inch. You know what I mean? It's like by missing the next platform you're jumping to by one smidge. And it's like, no, I've killed him. I've killed him. And then you have to go to the castle to save him with Logan with the tree. Um, I remember, actually, I'll tell you a little story. So I didn't, uh, I haven't, I didn't own this game originally. I used to borrow it off a friend called Tom. And Tom had got all of the special colored Yoshis. So he had got the black one, the white one, uh, the orange one. And I borrowed his game. And I remember getting into such a panic about losing the different... I, I, I obviously went for, you know, you're a kid, you want the black one, you know, you want the rebel. Uh, hence why in Reservoir Dogs they say, don't call yourself Mr. Black. You know, don't call yourself Mr. Yoshi Black either. 
you know, and I went for the black one and literally killed it. And I was panicking because I was like, fuck, I'm going through all these Yoshis. And I reset the game. No joke. I, I, and in such a panic, I reset his games, which meant that poor Tom had to go back and recomplete this whole freaking game. So, Mr. Tom Lacey, if you are listening to this now, I am really sorry. <laughs> so, let's go on to Mischief Makers in gameplay. So, the great thing, we've already said this, but Marina, a female protagonist in a game. Now, we were just getting the likes of Lara Croft in and things like that, but I, I think still to this day that... You know, female representation, it's only really started to come into play in the last 10 years. Uh, one of my favorite games outside the N64, the Walking Dead series, the, my least favorite Walking Dead series is when uh, Clem isn't a part of it. And that's in the um, the third game. And I, I was like, oh, oh, I want to be Clem. And that's good. That's really good. You know, this whole exception of, you know, that... I don't have to play as a male character. I can play as a female character. And that's the same with um, this game. It, it doesn't matter. It hasn't... They haven't gone for that stereotypical woman's, you know, in-game approach like we talk about on the streams when we play Lilac Wars with Cat. They've gone through this pure, strong human being. Doesn't matter if she's female. You know, and I think that's only really coming into play now. So to see that in 1997 when this game was launched... That's really, really good. Um, you you control Marina around these levels. Uh, we've grabs and froze and shakes. Shake, shake. And shakes. Yeah, she shakes everything. Absolutely everything. Shake, shake. That's obstacles. That's enemies. Shake, shake. Um, I mean, she shakes absolutely everything around five worlds 12 levels in each um she she literally the shake mechanic is really good it makes this game really stand out um i i can't think of another platformer that has gone for such a simple thing and made it work and that I can't, I, I, this was my first ever time playing through this game. It's such a simple mechanic, but at the same time, wow, it just works. It just works. Also, you, you're going around collecting loot and gems to restore health. And, you know, you've got the jetpack, the sliding, the hovering, the rolling, using weapons as well, which means that... When a weapon does come up, it does feel important. It feels like a power-up. It's not just there all the blinking time. Like, let's say, no offense to it, but an Earthworm Jim, where his, his laser just becomes his laser. Um, but it's, that's more of a shoot 'em up I won't take away from that. Um, and the great thing is, is even though that Yoshi story went away from being yoshi island 64 because of the puzzle elements, this uh, Mischief Makers is more puzzly. It's more about actually thinking of your environments, how you can affect your environments. Um, and you're just sort of leading all the way through to a mid-level boss as well as an end-of-level boss as well um, with these 12 levels. Um, 
and there's this real like lovely unique humor to this game as well you know in the tutorial which takes you about an hour um <laughs> the tutorial sort of bits and pieces where it's almost teaching you what marina can do you go to this theme park um <laughs> you know joke you're in a theme park as such but you're learning even though she's making a progression through the game that theme park was a great element of actually getting you to learn how to influence the blocks to get them working but also keep it so it's not just like ah this is the tutorial it made sense because she because marina was traveling through this level so i i think yeah i really enjoyed that now, one thing that I didn't enjoy, and this goes for both, and I'm going to say it now because if not, I end up repeating myself. Kirby 64 and Mischief Makers both use the D-pad. Now, this isn't, like, it doesn't take away from the game at all, but it did cause one thing for me on an OG controller, and that was cramp. And I mean cramp. I mean, like, my hand was like, ow! You know, it really hurt <laughs> after a while of playing this game. I had to go to one of my, you know, latest sort of controllers. I use the Brawler 64 controller, as you know, made by Retro Fighters. Please sponsor me. Um, <laughs> I don't want money, just want free sh um, so, No, I, I think that, that personally, that, that it, it gave me cramps. So I, I switched to the Brawler 64 controller, but still got a bit of that cramp, um, which is a shame because I had to pace myself through the game. You know, I had to take breaks. Sometimes with games, you just want to be drawn in and you want to sit there for a whole evening and play it. With this, I had to take breaks with both of these two games. So let's go on to that. Nice segue into Kirby 64 and the Crystal... Sorry, the Crystal Shards. I'm doing a bloody episode one with this again, aren't I? The Crystal Shards. Um, yeah, let's go into that gameplay. So it was, it was nice because... With the Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards, um, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing of that you've got everything that made the previous Kirby games so great. And I mean that. But as we'll go through in uh, graphics and sound, he's been put into this very refreshed world um, where, you know, Kirby is in this 3D environment. It very much feels like it's not just a copy and paste job. Because you've got six worlds to go around uh, with four levels in each, each of them having an end boss. Now, very similar to, let's say, other games, you know, very similar to that sort of classic platformer element, you know, because each level has three crystal shards in, in, you know, there's 80 in total to collect, you know, 77 in levels, six in uh, during the bosses, two uh two in the intro level you know and it it gives you that element of that you want to collect all these shards because it unlocks the real ending and like silicon valley we've been through that where you can't but it unlocks the real ending to the game if you do go and collect them so you've still got that classic sort of platformer element of the collecting of the you know giving yourself a goal not just to complete the level but 100% complete the level and you got in there as well this as i say kirby's classic abilities so we've with kirby himself he can absorb uh, each boss and absorb its powers and 
you know, that the, there's seven powers to collect. So I'm not going to tell you which baddie to get to get these powers, but you've got the burn ability, which sort of turns Kirby into a, a engulfed uh, flame ball charging forward. You've got the stone ability that gives uh, Kirby, uh, basically he's unharmed, so he just sort of plods along at a slow pace, uh, turns into stone, but it destroys his ability to sort of really jump any uh, distance. You've got the ice ability, which makes uh, makes uh, Kirby exhale cold breath, which can freeze enemies solid. You've got the needle ability, which turns him into a massive star and a spiky ball. You've got the bomb ability, which allows him to throw bombs, uh, pretty standard. And then you've got the uh, spark uh, spark ability, which generates uh, generates a small force of electricity around him. And then you've got the classic boomerang ability which allows uh, Kirby to throw a boomerang towards his foes. Um, and then the great thing about this game is, is the combinations you can do through it. So you don't just, you haven't just got that element of that you, you've got these eight uh, bits and pieces you can use. You've also got 28 combination super power-ups. So that means that you can get one of these power-ups, make it so you're holding the power-up above your head, and then combining that with the butters, throwing it at one of the baddies, you then can get a combination. And there's 28 of these. 28! So we're going to go through them. I'm going to go through them with you. So you've got Burn Burn, which is two burns, uh, which transforms him into a larger engulf uh, force. You've got Burn Stone, which lets uh, Kirby shoot out burning rocks like a volcano. So you're turning Kirby into a gold, gold, uh, volcano. You've got Burn Ice, which changes Kirby into a burning ice cube that instantly melts. I don't understand how that works. Uh, you've got Burning Needle, um, which turns him into uh, it turns him into a bow and arrow, which is uh, which is one of the first abilities you're able to pick up. You've got Burning Bomb, uh, which lets uh, Kirby f uh, summon free arrow explode. Uh, sorry, free firework explosions that defeat enemies at great range. So in other words, you're firing these uh, these fireworks at people. You've got Burn Spark, which Kirby runs, rubs his head with a tinder, tinder sheet and light, lights, lights it on fire, running about damaging enemies when <laughs> contact. So basically you turn him into, you kill Kirby. And you've got Burning Cutter, which gives uh, Kirby the ability of a massive burning sword, which is, it, it looks a bit Final Fantasy-esque, where the sword is way too big for him to actually control. Then we come into the stone abilities that you've got Stone Stone, which turns him into a mahoosive stone Kirby, almost the Hulk of the Kirby world. You've got Stone Ice, which transfers Kirby into a curling, sto uh, curling stone, so almost what you see on the Olympics, sort of sliding across the floor, attacking enemies. 
you've got a stone needle which makes him have a massive a giant drill uh, to use against enemies you've got stone bomb which allows kirby to ignite some dynamite and he puts a little hard hat on as well at the same time which is brilliant you know kirby safety first you've got spark stone which lets kirby stomach a giant rock which he throws and unleashes electricity uh, the rock soars through the air and bounces off walls and floors um, and then you've got stone cutter uh, which transforms kirby into stone figures of his friends uh, from kirby dreamland 3 and the various animals uh, poses different abilities You've got Ice Ice, which transforms into a massive rolling snowball. You've got Ice Needle, which makes him into a giant snowflake. Uh, possesses great range, but slow and makes Kirby unable to move. You've got Ice Bomb, which transforms Kirby into a walking snowman. The snowman eventually just explodes. I love that. Um, then you've got Ice Spark, which turns Kirby into a refrigerator. Yes, <laughs> he turns into a fridge, uh, throwing food and that can cause damage to enemies, but also healing food as well. Um, so that means that you can heal Kirby on the go, which is pretty cool, but he does turn into a fridge. Um, then you've got uh, Ice Cutter, uh, which gives uh, him a pair of skates and lets him ice skate through levels. He can also twist jump uh, with the A being pressed, which is quite cool. You've got Needle Needle, which gives him the ability to, to yeah, to various pointy objects against the enemy. So he turns into a massive wasp, is the best way of putting it. Got Needle Bomb that transforms Kirby into a Gordo that can fly through the air. After a short time, it will explode. You've got Needle Spark, which lets uh, Kirby change into a lightning conductor summoning a bolt of lightning uh, bolts to uh, fry his enemies you've got needle cutter which transform transforms kirby's giant bear trap like two arms so basically he, t he turns into a bear trap his arms have spikes on either side and you can trap enemies You've got Bomb Bomb, which turns him into a rocket launcher, firing free missiles against people. You've got Bomb Spark, which transforms him into a light bulb, which uh, which can attack enemies and lights up dark rooms. You've got Bomb Cutter, which gives Kirby an arsenal of shurikens to throw at enemies. Oh, the list is endless. You've got Spark Spark, which generates a massive electrical force field around him. You've got Spark Cutter that turns him into Darth Maul, which is my favourite one. Literally, you run around the level with a double-sided lightsaber, which is lovely. Um, you've got Cutter Cutter, which gives him a giant boomerang to take out more enemies. And then you've got Rib Ribbon's Crystal. Now, Ribbon's Crystal is when you've collected all of the crystal shards. Uh, you get the usability during the level of the final boss against CO2. Uh, it lets Kirby and Ribbon fly around whilst shooting crystal projectiles at the enemy. I mean, that's really clever that they've sat down and they thought of all these combinations. And these combinations really, really make the game. Um, so we're coming on to gameplay. Who has won the Jinjo 
for gameplay. Now, at the end of the day, you oh, this is a hard one because gameplay you have with Yoshi's Story got that real comeback ability. As I said, his moveset is what sets him uh, up for you know even to this day with the smash brothers series you've got uh mischief makers which is such a great gameplay really relies on that shake ability to pull it through but it does it very very well giving you a mid-level boss giving you an end of level boss um really going through that storyline as well i think that's where its strength lies so if we're gonna go gameplay i think for originality with these super combos and actually what even though it was working off the d-pad as i said i got a bit of cramp using the d-pad the winner for this jinjo is kirby 64 the crystal shards oh. Oh. it was a pleasure playing all three of these games and all three of these games get them for your collection i haven't actually got the physical copy of kirby 64 crystal shards but it is on top of my list and it will be bought with the next round of the next payout from twitch it will be what i buy for the collection for the team because it's i mean playing it it's been one of those games that have been asked for for over the delay of this podcast i keep getting asked for it i mean sarah if you're listening i know your love for kirby i know that you're what you're going to be making your kirby inspired uh gamecube but i i think that it's not just you i think there's been so many people that really enjoyed me playing through that i think it will come to that we complete that on a sunday challenge because it is entertaining those different combos and it makes it so every playthrough you have or every moment you can you differ the gameplay because you've got such 28 combos of abilities that's insane so let's go on to a bit of the sound and graphics So, sound and graphics, and we're going to start with Yoshi's Story. And if I was to say to you, as you can hear with the the end, the the bed music, the N sixty four bed uh, life bed music, or the intro theme, it's very influenced off of rare uh, music. Yet Yoshi's Story is a similar story to those. That it, it gives you that element that you're playing an N64 game. And that comes down to the music itself. So, I'm, I, I thought I put up the first level music in the background. Because it's so, yet again, obviously Smash Brothers, it's been used there as well. But it's so iconic now that... Da, 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 I mean, it stands... It stands out as one of the best theme tunes for this console. That it's so recognisable. It's so... It just makes you feel bloody happy. Um, composed by Kazumi Todaki. Todaka, sorry. Um, it, it's just a pure masterpiece of a soundtrack. You could have that on your phone and listen to it as just a standalone album. I mean that for sound, for that iconic bits and pieces that you, we're finally hearing Yoshi's voice to the sounds he makes to the what the baddies, the sounds the baddies make. I think it really stands out 
as just a work of art. And there's a few games, you know, out there that you could really say that you could literally break them down and say that the music really stands out as a part of itself. Now, the graphics, um, the graphics themselves, very similar to Donkey Kong 64 because they're using that advanced computer modeling system that the uh, Donkey Kong 64, uh, sorry, Donkey Kong 64, Donkey Kong Country used. Um, and it, it's it's nice in a way that you've got that. So it could have easily gone down that very simple path of almost a copy and paste of what Donkey Kong's country did but i think it's got its own individuality that that patchwork world and those individual monsters and even though it is a 2d game in a 3d world it stands out and i think that the game we we've said about we've already done gameplay but i think the simplicity simplicity of the gameplay the simplicity of the graphics means that so many people have picked up this game and it was their first ever n64 experience you're getting that n i've already got people that have told me that it's their kids first ever n64 experience with neil saying that his kids it's the first game and it's the game that they come back to time and time again on the console so yeah with graphics i think that it takes a very simple formula but that delivers it incredibly well and obviously we i love that word don't i obviously but i think that it is that element that it takes it and it, it really pushes it into its own individual game and you don't just go well we've seen this 200 times before now with mischief makers as we've already said with gameplay, it took something very, very original. And everything... So, now, you you land on the planet, and everything seems to be sentient on this planet. So, we're going into graphics. Obviously, yet again, using that 3D rendered image on a 2D world. But, everything seems to have this solemn, <laughs> a sad face every single block seems to have been something that was living but maybe not anymore which uh, if everybody's played uh, majora's mask at the beginning of majora's mask before you enter the clock tower you're you're doing your tutorial bits as the deku scrub and you come across this tree that looks very very sad and as obviously a human that's been turned into a tree by uh the um uh by the skull kids that's how it gave me a feel of there was a there's this very secret with the artwork in this game of a very much darker side <laughs> that everything could have been living but everything you're controlling that's part of that landscape now is because it's been transformed into these blocks um but if we're going in sound again such a unique sound such a beautiful beautiful piece of uh a piece of music all the way running through that um by co by composer norio uh hanzawa yeah i think hanazawa uh, i think it's it's a beautiful piece of music that runs all the way through that um but it's we've sound beautiful piece of music again beautiful absolutely stunning that you can listen to that all the time and it it adds maybe Yoshi's story is very much that family friendly. This feels a bit more action packed. The uh, feet, uh, the music running through this, but in the way of graphics, still works off that 2.5D model. 
And I think that where Kirby 64 stands out in this is it's not just two, 3D rendered across 2D. It, it, they are 3D. It's just on a 2D plane. And that means that sort of the colourful, vibrant world of uh, Kirby is brought to life. And, you know, you've got even things like when you're, you're facing off against a tree, boss, and you're running around it. Yes, you're, you're running around it in a circle. You're not just keeping on that 2D plane. It feel, still feels 3D. Um, and it, it doesn't... It stands out from other 2D side-scrollers because it feels so 3D. It's not... It's not trying to be 3D, but it, it's giving you that element that it feels 3D on a 2D plane. I know that it's really hard to explain, but it doesn't ever feel like, oh, this is just a 2D platformer. Um, and it really adds depth to those worlds. So it, even though you are just going from one point, from point A to point B, you, you're going into different elements of those worlds. It's breaking it up. It's You're running into people's houses and killing them. Yes, that is a scene in the first level, pretty much. Um, but it's giving you that sort of exploration feel to it, even though you are just going from point A and point B. And I think Mario was the first game I remember doing that very, very well. And it, I think that the original Mario games for the NES and then obviously the Super Mario World games, uh, including Yoshi's uh, Island, uh, very much kept it going with the snares. But I think, actually, this was a game, a last hurrah of that. Um, and we wouldn't see it really until Rayman Origins or, you know, the, very much the sort of renaissance that we've seen with uh, Sonic Mania. I think that th this game was almost like a last hurrah of that point a to point b because i can't think of really a game that did it so well um in that 2d plane um and it does look absolutely stunning and absolutely beautiful now you know it, it's got and also it's got the composer um same composer with smash brothers as well so that's that's awesome um but if, if you're looking at what beats this for sound and graphics i think pure you know mischief makers kirby 64 beautiful games but and this isn't to make it a draw but yoshi's story stands out for me yoshi's story that music is so damn iconic like so iconic um if you're looking at the graphics themselves yes it's on that 2d 3d but the patchwork world that you work through um i mean the detail and the uh, the artwork in those uh, bosses that you face off against i think that the jinjo for sound and graphics has to go to yoshi story <laughs> it's it's a difficult one yet again all three of these have been so so difficult because all three of these games are a bloody delight to play we're not talking like a hybrid heaven that obviously is easy to shoot down or anything along those lines these are great games to play so we now come to the last of the two jinjos and that's what the critics thought and more importantly, what you thought.
So, what the critics thought. And let's go into actually how many units all three of these games shifted. Because all three were out for Europe, they were out for North America, and most importantly when we're looking at these numbers, they were out for Japan. Because as we know, if a game wasn't launched in Japan, it didn't tend to do well against other games launched equally that were. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. We've done it before. But we start with Yoshi's Story. Now, this could be that it was living off that name, Yoshi. I personally don't think so. I think that... I don't know. Maybe it is that there were so many people wanting a, a 2G adventure. Even though this wasn't the first 2G adventure, it was living off that Yoshi name. Because if we're looking at uh, units sold... 2.85 million wow 2.85 million compared to mischief makers which was the first with only 40 sorry 430,000 units that's incredible that to be honest that does lean towards the argument people were just going for yoshi because if you're looking at the two, those two games in comparison how they've stood the test of time. As I said, it is iconic Yoshi's story in that way of the music, uh, the way of his movesets, because it's been carried over with Smash Brothers. And it has... It's lived past the game. However, Mischief Makers is reviewed and seen back in such a light, such a different light compared to it. Because when we come onto scores... I think how Mischief Makers is remembered is definitely better how it was seen at the time. Because uh, in 2009, uh, Games Radar called it possibly the most underrated and widely ignored game on the N64. And playing it, yes, I think there are others. Silicon Valley, as everyone knows, I think Silicon Valley is highly underrated. However, this fits into that same category. Mischief Makers is. And, yeah, again, you could see that. Is that because one had Yoshi on it and one didn't? Marina, this new character? And if you're looking at gameplay, both are equally entertaining games. I just... Yeah... To have that massive golf in cells? Wow. And then we come on to Kirby 64. Even though... Now, this is this fascinates me. Because even though this game was in the latter half of its lifespan. And we've seen it before with Conquer that came out around the right at the same time. It still went over 1 million sales. 1.77. So, almost pushing on 2 million copies sold. Which, you're looking at, at Conquer. Conquer didn't have that. But then Conquer wasn't released in Japan. <laughs> Might prove my point. Anyway, let's go on to what the critics thought of these games. So, IGN. This is where we go. IGN said, if you're absolutely stuck, suck at playing games or you're a 2D newcomer or you're six years old, this game is a must buy. I think that's a bit cruel. Everyone everyone else, save your money and rent it for a weekend. Two days is unfortunately enough to see everything the game has to offer. Yoshi's Story will most definitely sell many copies based on its reputation of its predecessor. 
but there will be a lot of unhappy gamers once they discover that Nintendo's mantra seems to have changed to quality over quantity of levels. Trust us, you'll love it when you rent the game, but don't buy it. You'll finish it in a weekend, but don't quit, quit playing until you've seen the fourth level on each page. So, IGN, it, it's I don't like that line of saying, if you're six years old, I personally love this game. I'm 30 bloody five years old, yeah? I personally come back to this game, and I definitely wasn't six years old when the game came out. I think... I must have been 13 when I first played this game. I loved it. I thought it was a really happy game. And I think it... A sign of the times, obviously, we were talking before about how sort of trash TV was the time. And it, maybe it was a game that it was past the fluffiness of Nintendo. We would see Smash Brothers be released not soon after this. So, it, it, it it's a difficult one. Because... IGN gave it a score of 7, which is respectable. Yeah, you're still going to go out and look at it. If the game scores a 7, it will still be a game that you go and look at. Now, this is a really sad one. This is this is the review of Mischief Makers. And I think it's very much a reviewer that is wanting 3D games. And this sucks because we've already said before that Games Radar in 2009 said it was most underrated, underappreciated game on the console. So this is what they said at the time. Treasure's latest edition serves us uh, as both the two, first 2D platformer experience on the N64 and a solid, well-rounded little game. Mischief Makers does not test graphic prowess of the 64-bit system and probably won't break any new grounds in terms of 2G adventure platforms. But all the same, it's a welcome addition for fans of the genre and certainly treasure fanatics worldwide will love it. Now, it's not a bad review. It's similar, let's say, to what, um, what Yoshi scored in the way well not scored but was reviewed and it's a bit sad because it only scored 6.2 which it annoys me a bit actually i don't think it deserves a 6.2 in the slightest so we now come on to the last one now this this game was at the end of the console's lifespan so it's fascinating to read what they said about kirby 64 so Kirby 64 is a clever little game that you almost like to think of as a pet. But make no mistake, Kirby is an amusement park prize goldfish of N64 games. Since uh, most people will be through and done with this game, never to return fairly quickly. However, it does do, it does a good job for what it is. I know the game is intended for younger gamers, but there are two particular puzzles in Kirby that will give most grown-ups headaches. Kirby 64 serves as a good help helping of that old-school platforming style, but ultimately still too short to warrant a purchase for older gamers. 
even with all the power up and combo abilities, parents looking for a fun, safe side-scrolling for their kids shouldn't look any further. For everyone else, uh, I'd definitely recommend renting this game, because, not because it's subs substandard or niche title, but because most rental programs will give you a few nights of game game time and that should be enough to finish Kirby 64. Yet again, they're all just absolutely slating. It's almost like, even towards the end of this console span, it's almost like, no, 2G, it's all fluffy characters. You don't need it. I think, I think genuinely, I think it's a sign of the times because I've seen other reviews look at this so when it had its Wii uh, Ryu release I, I've seen I was reading other reviews of this title I was reading other reviews of Yoshi's Story I obviously I've said about the one that I found about uh, Matched it and Mischief Makers I think that it, it's very much this isn't 3D we're in the 3D area we can't have 2G photo, 2D photo games anymore god you almost gave away my profession then 2D photo ah, I said it again 2D graphics anymore we've got to have 3D I think that's genuinely the feel of this but with a 7.9 score on IGN wow that's high didn't see that coming after reading that. The winner of the second, the penultimate Jinjo, goes to Kirby 64. Wow. 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 That's, that's interesting. Really, really interesting. And we now come on to the last one. The most important. That's what you guys thought. And you didn't fail. Even though it feels like a bloody lifetime ago. Uh, I posted this. You really didn't fail in your, your voting. So what I'm going to do is because this could end with a draw as such. Um, this could end with a triple draw it could end with, end with a double draw it, it could end either way at this present moment in time so what i'm going to do is is that the person who got number one will win three points person that wins number two will get two points and the person that got so the game that got what the person what person the game that got uh the, the game that got third will get one point so in third place with 22 percent of the vote actually let's go into your comments let's go into your comments so let's go into your comments what you said on the uh, at the time sean dunn said about these two games this this is this is bleed over from the uh from the streams he says mario kart <sighs> sean it's the first time this is the first time look looking to your phone do you do you see that pause button look into the pause button because i'm looking out of it and i'm shaking my head at you because the first time on the podcast i'm not angry <sighs> i'm disappointed it's disappointed 
Anyway, um, <laughs> Bits Selector just literally has Marina with, with the gift with one of the solemn-looking blocks going shake, shake. Uh, does, that shake, shake uh, just makes me smile. That's brilliant. Um, Sarah, a.k.a. the Pink Levium. As uh, Kirby trying to inhale a, b a poor uh, apple for a love of Kirby 64. And then, friend of the stream, hello, mate, getting Twitter just so he can talk to me and talk about N64, which is great. I'm glad that I've helped you out there, pal. So, uh, at uh, getN free or get out uh he says uh the day i got mischief makers he's put a picture of himself up the day i got mischief makers from a swap and ram uh, on the south side of chicago and he's holding his mischief makers well he's got a plate off let's have a look i'm zooming in it seems i don't know what look just tweet me tell me what you're gonna play off there because to me that looks like green beans and as we know they are a delicacy <laughs> wrestling fans you like that right so what did you guys score in third place with 22 percent of the vote is mischief makers and this is a tight vote as you already heard 22 percent but with 30 it's coming in second with 37 percent of the vote is kirby 64 the crystal shards so that means the winner of the last three points and the winner of this battle for Jinjos. I'm going to say it again. The page turned and the cartridge blow growers blew. Oh God, I'll say it again. The page turned. I'm not editing out. The page turned and the cartridge blowers grew happier. I almost messed it up again. The winner of this battle for Jinjos is Yoshi Story. I, do you know what? I would have been happy with any of those games winning. I think personally, I, I, I would love to do these games. I, I might come back to these games. I've actually saved some of the notes from these games. Because if you noticed, each round, I, I, I didn't rush through them. But, you know, if not, it's going to be a bloody two-hour podcast. <laughs> I don't usually go over an hour and a half. I was trying to think, how do I fit three games into an hour and a half? And I may well come back and visit these games. Uh, if that's in a mini history, if that's in... I could, I might even in the future, not now, do 2G versus 3D. Sorry, 2D versus 3D. Why, oh, God, you can... I'm giving away what where i work on it well at least the this the place where i uh, you know the the element of where i work um anyway no i'll be looking at that because i think that it's a really interesting subject because everywhere seems to be slating it yet everywhere just wanted 3d yet we've already proven now that it, it, there was a market for this and they're all just going all oh, right it's kid stuff i'll stick it off your high horses I think a lot of people are still like that with Nintendo. Ah, it's all kitty. Fuck off. If you, if you enjoy I enjoy That's what matters. Stop slating people. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And talking about Nintendo, let's go on to what the next podcast is going to be. Because we're going to have a bit of a week of this happy chappy. It's me, 
Mario! Hello! Yes! Mario! It's Mario! A mini history of Mario 64. And if that isn't any better, I, I, I'm going to make it doubly better for you because I'm going to have a special guest on for that podcast. That's Martin from Now and Then 64. Great Twitch stream. If you're not following them already, Now and Then 64. He's going to be joining me. And we're going to be, you're here in the mini history, little bits as we're talking about uh, Mario 64. But do you know what? We're more likely to go on to so many other subjects in that, that I think it needs the whole chat sort of sectioned off. On its own podcast so the next podcast will be a mini history of now and then 64 the podcast afterwards will be everything we spoke about in a uh player two enters the pod with me and martin um so that'll be really nice to listen to and then we should <laughs> i say should we'll wait until the end of uh the uh the, the chat between me and martin because we should be, at that point, me completing Superman 64. If you didn't know already, if, on my Twitch at the moment, on every Sunday from 8.30 till 11, I am playing Superman 64 in its entirety. At the end of that, I will be giving a podcast review of the game. So, there's a whole hour and a bit talking about Superman 64 from someone that has completed the game not only that you're seeing me complete the game i will give you a lowdown on what i thought and i will have positives in there there i've i'm not giving it away but there are positives that i have for this game but obviously a project reality check there's a lot of let's say not so positives it's got the viewer being the worst game of all time for a bloody good reason but that should be coming straight afterwards so we're gonna have three podcasts before our next battle for jinjos so do you know what you can wait you can wait to hear what that next battle for jinjos is but keep in touch with me on now so n64 live podcast on the on twitter uh if you wanted to keep in touch with me on the discord the discord channel is also in the uh little t- uh the little tree the link tree that's the one link tree uh on the uh twitter page as well so come and follow me there oh, come and join in the chat there's loads of chat happening at the moment uh seems to be loads of chat about at the mo let's let's touch in with everyone let's let's see what everyone's discussing today uh, literally, I've just uploaded it, and I see it's a trap. So it's Sean telling bad jokes by the looks of it. Um, <laughs> but there's a little bit of chat at the moment about Stardew Valley, you know, people completing that game, playing on that game. So, yeah, come and join it. Lovely little community. Uh, all chat and nonsense on there. I haven't been involved in the last couple of weeks because of all the dramas I've been having. Believe it or not, between this record, I've had more drama as well. Oh, it's all fun and games. Uh, but no, I'd like to say thank you very much for everyone that has supported me. Uh, if you wanted to get a touch of me, uh, please, n64lifepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I am joining another podcast uh by the time you listen to this it could well be released if not then uh yeah it will be released in the coming days um i will keep you in touch with that i'll be peering not talking about wrestling not talking about computer games but talking about movies 
Ooh, talking about some movies from back in the 90s. So, yeah, so I will keep you in touch with that. But there we go. Another battle for Jinjo's done. Mini history. Lots of research to do on the way. Followed by just me and Martin. What else do you need in your podcast world? Nothing. That's the answer. Nothing. And I shall see you all very, very soon. Wonderful pets to choose from. Kirby 64. Rated E for everyone.